Hey, I like wrestling podcast. You see what I did there? Are you gonna start? Oh yeah. Are you real right now? The greatest general manager. <laughs> Jesus. I'll allow it. That's that's peon moves. <laughs> Yep, I like wrestling. <laughs> Greetings. We're coming to you live from the bingo hall at uh, Parts Unknown. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Kevin Wood, and I'm joined by... Roger Adams. How's it going, Roger? I'm doing all right, man. It's, uh, so uh, if you guys aren't aware by now, this is a little bit of a, little bit of a spin-off, uh, yeah. so to speak. You know, we're the core to uh, the Yep I Like Wrestling's uh, Nexus. Oh, if you want to go even older school, it's kind of like that time uh, Bobby Heaton had a show for like a couple episodes like back in the day. <laughs> Nobody knew what was going on, so this is kind of what this is. Ah, yes, yes. And we are here to talk about All In, the greatest, what would you say? Would you say it's the, uh, I guess you could say the biggest independent wrestling show in America in almost 20 years. Easily, easily the biggest show. But anyway, so yeah, going about going about ourselves really. Uh, again, uh, my name is Roger Adams. I've been, uh, I guess you could say, a lifelong wrestling fan. But I've been, I've been, I've strayed a little bit, you know, throughout the years. But I mean, I really started watching wrestling uh, when I was five with my father. It's, uh, I think, to this day, the only thing we've really fully connected on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we we would watch uh, superstars and wrestling channel, uh, wrestling challenge on uh, you know Channel Five in New York City here. You know, 12, 12 p.m. as was the case. And yeah, I remember me and my pops. Uh, we went to. Uh, we actually ended up going to the curtain call. Yeah, that that infamous house show in uh, in '96. And I didn't even realize what what I'd been to until years later. It's like, oh my god, I'd been there for history, and I didn't remember it. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, that, that kind of strayed away when I got into college. And but you know, like around, I'd say the time of the network, um, we, I got back into it. It's like the Shield was uh, still quite big at the time and like I learned about all the new guys like Seth Rollins and then there was Rusev and all, all the new guys and I, I kind of round myself uh, back into it then I really discovered the indie scene which is yeah. so so different compared to WWE which I uh, which I personally found out and uh, so uh, how about you how how'd you uh, get into this uh, fine uh, sports entertainment well uh, I think for me I remember as a child having a cousin who was a big wrestling fan uh, who, when I saw The Undertaker and Paul Bearer for the first time when I was five years old, I was scared to death and didn't watch it again until I was about ten years old. <laughs> Paul Bearer, it wasn't even so much The Undertaker, it was Paul Bearer. Yeah, he's a creepy looking dude. Oh, <laughs> yes, he was. But, you know, I just remember watching it. I had a friend uh, in grade school who was a big fan of it, and he got me into it. I, I remember the first pay-per-view that I watched was uh, No Way Out 2000, and thinking, you know, I think that was uh, Triple H retired, <laughs> air quotes, retired Mick Foley <laughs> on that show. The first of 15 retirements. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just remember being like, this is fucking awesome. And, oh, wait, the bad guy actually won that? The, that guy's actually retiring? Oh, my God. I need to see what's next. And I've pretty much been hooked uh, ever since, you know, and it's, uh, it's been a big part of my life. Um, I remember I started getting into indie wrestling. I would buy uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated and, you know, would see all these pictures of 
you know, I remember like the first time I was aware of indie wrestling, I saw a picture of Steve, uh, superstar Steve Austin. Superstar Steve superstar Austin. Superstar Steve Austin in ECW. And I was just, I was kind of aware of what ECW was. And I was just like, oh, wait, Stone Cold was like in another company and stuff like that. <laughs> like, who, who is this? And then from there, you know, that like sort of piqued my interest and then. You know, following the dirt sheets, following magazines and stuff like that. That's kind of, you know, until a couple of years ago with like the rise of the Bullet Club, that was sort of like my, uh, you know, that's how I followed indie wrestling and stuff. You know, I was like when when I came back into wrestling, the Bullet Club was in pretty much full swing. Uh, this was like this is when AJ Styles was uh, the kingpin. Yes, and actually, I managed to meet him uh, when he went to a HOG show in uh, Queens. Couple of years ago, and actually, I managed to buy a shirt from AJ Styles, and I got a picture with AJ Styles, which is pretty uh, awesome. And uh, I actually met uh, one of my uh, one of the people that I actually met there. I uh, originally saved from homelessness, and uh, now he's a porn star. Uh, but now that, that that's a completely different story, which well, we'll get into. That'll be the next podcast, maybe, and if I remember. <laughs> Uh, but that, that's an entirely different story. But like even now, like I'm, I've uh, photographed a bunch of different indie events. You know, very small indie events. Uh, the last one was at uh, the last uh, HOG show, nice. right, which I actually did for Yep. Um, nice. And uh, even before that, I've done a few other shows. Uh, you know, a few shows in Jersey. I uh, one show in the Bronx. You know, and, and uh, if you follow me, you know, on uh, Instagram or Facebook, you can probably take a look at a lot of these pictures. You know. I don't want to toot my own horn. I mean, I think I'm pretty decent, but, you know, you may I, think worse or better. I think you're pretty fucking good, man. Ooh, thank you. Thank you. Man, yeah. man. I'm not just saying that either. Uh, sorry, I just uh, pushed the uh, table towards him here. My, my bad, Roger. I'm not trying to kill you or uh, throw a table at you here. I was like, uh, well, don't smash, smash a racket because, you know, I'll have, have to dock you for points. Oh, shit. Well, no, I, it's interesting. I, I wanted to talk about you said that 2014 was when you started getting into wrestling and i feel like that's when sort of like the the era that we're in in wrestling uh, that's like heavily heavily influenced by independent wrestling kind of started to get into like the swing that's in now where you have guys like dean ambrose and seth rollins i was like yeah you had uh, mania 30 you had uh, daniel bryan's Bryan. i was basically his coming out party yeah you know like there was like a whole generation there with punk and bryan and stuff and that was kind of like the uh that, there was a whole generation there with Punk and Brian that was kind of like the, the the first wave of these independent guys after a long period in WWE, you know, after, I'd say after Cena and Orton and those guys sort of broke through that uh, in, independent stars, guys that came from outside of WWE started to... Uh, affect and change the main event scene in WWE. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, you have CM Punk, of course, is probably one of the the best examples, although not quite one of the best examples in a few ways. I mean, he is one of the longest holders of the WWE Championship of the modern era, but I don't think he was ever really given his proper respect. Yeah, I don't think he ever reached the heights of some of the guys that have come... uh, that he sort of paved the way, that in my opinion, he sort of paved the way for guys like AJ Styles, guys like Seth Rollins, these guys um, that kind of maybe fit a different mold than what you would expect from a top WWE guy and guys that really got a chance, you know, main evented WrestleMania and got a chance to kind of get a lot of standout moments. And I, and I feel like the, the all-in show was sort of the culmination of, of that and also 
this revolution on the independent wrestling scene. I don't know. I, I definitely do think that's a pretty big point. I mean, uh, my feelings about CM Punk after uh, uh, somewhat recent revelations about him, I don't think I'd spin on him if he was on fire. But you know, maybe that's just me. You might feel differently about it. But uh, do you think we should uh, just start going, go all in on all in? I think we should go all as Teddy would say to every Friday night, I think we're ready to go all in. <laughs> all right, and I, uh, I understand that uh, you were actually there at the show. I was. I was. I, uh, I traveled to Chicago. I, uh, you know, I, while I was out there, I managed to get a deep dish pizza. I saw a couple of friends. Shout out to my friend Sig. I don't know why you got a tongue ring. That's really weird. Uh, <laughs> that's another story for another day. Clearly. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I went to the show. When I heard about the show, uh, you know, I think that they announced it back in, like, February or March or something like that. Yeah, I it was, was a, quite a few months ago. Yeah, I was like, I, I would really like to be a part of this. And I, uh, you know, I, I bought tickets the day it came out. That was, that was a nightmare in itself, waiting online for the tickets. I can imagine. Yes. And, and I also am kicking myself that the tickets that I bought weren't that expensive, even though uh, the online process organized and not ideal. Um, but uh, I'm kicking myself that I didn't buy about eight tickets and then try to scalp them all. Yeah, you, you probably would make a, a nice little handsome profit had you I done would, that. That would have been pretty tremendous. I mean, I, I wish I, I actually had the, the chance to uh, have been there. I, a friend of mine was actually selling tickets a couple of days before, but, you know, it was, it was a little too short notice and the flight was going to be insane yeah. and... I mean, I, I still have a nine to five. I have to worry about, of course, you know. Yeah. See, see, that's the problem. That I, I bought the tickets uh, as soon as they were available, but I didn't buy the flight probably when I should have. I made the trek out to Chicago. I saw a couple friends. I had some deep dish pizza. I saw my friend Sig. Hi, Sig. Tongue rings are weird. <laughs> That's a story for another day. I have a question for you, though. Did you uh, bring a bulletproof vest out there while you were in uh, Chicago? No, no, no. I, I, I didn't. I didn't bring a bulletproof vest. I, uh, you know, I, 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 I didn't go to the uh, the rough areas of Chicago. Okay. In fact, I went to the nothing areas of Chicago, <laughs> where if I would got shot, it would have at least meant something. The the show was technically not in Chicago. It was in. Uh, uh, it was in like Schaumburg, which was like 30 miles outside of Chicago. It would be like if they sold a show as being in New York and I don't know what, like Westchester or something like that. Um, or, or that or like Giant Stadium or like, no, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> well the, the, the difference is, though, is that uh, with Giant Stadium, I'm under the impression that there's like a direct transportation that goes to that stadium. Correct? I mean, well, yeah, that, that is indeed correct. So there was not that for All In. And there was like a, I made the mistake of going to downtown Chicago that day and wound up in a situation where I could have either taken my chances on a, on a taking like a bus that might have taken an hour, might have taken two or three hours or taking a, a $50 Uber. So I wound up taking a $50 Uber from downtown Chicago to the show and it was worth it, but I mean, both ways. No, 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 no. Cause I, cause I was staying close to it, but I was staying, my hotel was close to the show because I was like, oh, I'm going to save money and be close to the show. And then completely blew that up by going to downtown Chicago that day. So not, not the greatest planning on my part. Okay. Okay. I got you. All right. So uh, should we get started with the card? Yes. Um, the show got started with um, 
the Briscoe brothers, not related to the original Briscoe brothers, uh, taking on a CU, uh, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky, um, making their way into the worst town they have ever been in. Oh, man, the Briscoes, man. I, I, I think they've, they've always been controversial for at least a good portion of uh, their careers. Uh, yes, they have. They have uh, said some stuff on, on Twitter that uh, I'd rather not repeat. And, uh, uh, did, say the least. Yeah, did not make, put them in the best light. I, well, you know, when, when you're good old you know, farming boys, I guess, there's, you, can't, you can only take the farm you know, out but so far. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes people live the gimmick a little too much. I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, but SCU got the win here. Uh, there isn't much to say. This was one of the uh, the two uh, matches from, uh, I guess it's called like Zero Hour. It's their very polite way of saying pre-show. <laughs> Zero Hour. It, it, you know, it was the equivalent of uh, Sunday Night Heat back in the day. Uh, it's like, yeah, that, that was, those are pretty much like glorified, you know, pre-shows, like a lot of those shows, like before the pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean, and, and it wasn't even like the standout match from, from the pre-show. If we're going to talk about anything, we should talk about the uh, 19-man over-budget battle royal. Ooh. Um, one of the best, I, I've heard a lot of people saying this, and, and I would agree with this point, one of the best battle royals that I've ever seen in terms of just like uh, the way that it, everything was structured, the you know sequence of events of, of everything. What, Roger, what did you think of the match? I, I thought it was you know quite amazing. You know, it's when you have a bunch of people knowing you know it, it, this is going to be an important show. They're going to pull all the stops to make it you know be the good match of the night because no one wants to be like the trash match of one yeah. of the best cards ever. Yeah. You know, in independent wrestling, or at least one of the biggest cards ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, you know, this reminds me of like in. Uh, you know, this will happen sometimes, say, in the NFL. Where, Well, how about we'll do this in the NBA where a, a, a team is, you know, out of the playoffs and, you know, they, they sort of have – you would think that they don't have much to play for, but they're playing the Golden State Warriors or they're playing the Chicago Bulls or the Lakers back in the day. And it's like their chance to stand out. It's their, it's their Super Bowl. And that's what it was for a lot of these guys is it was their WrestleMania because – you know, this over-the-budget battle royal, like, how many more WrestleMania moments is Billy Gunn going to get to have? How many more is Tommy Dreamer going to have? And not to mention guys like Brian Cage and Flip Gordon and all these other guys that haven't even had a crack at that moment yet. I mean, for me, even nowadays, like, there's so many new indie guys, it's so hard for me to keep track. It is. And it's like, and it's also pretty hard to keep track of how fast WWE keeps on gobbling them up. I mean, that's the... Uh, that's sort of like the the fun of like a battle royal like this that you had you know this battle royal kind of like was a you know an analogy to the show where you had this like great variety of guys oh yeah i mean you have everybody you got moose you got coca band we have jordan grace jesus i mean austin gunn uh you know uh again like i said brian cage and flip gordon and rocky Billy romero Ray. yeah just just like this amazing variety of guys representing, you know, independent wrestling, representing wrestling outside of WWE, um, you know, just uh, get, getting a chance to shine. They did a great job of like allowing them to kind of have those moments. Oh, oh, of course. 
And I was like, I mean, that, that's one of the better things about having a show like this because I, I'm sure they're giving a little bit of leeway so everybody can get their shine, you yeah. know, quote unquote, get their shit in. Yeah, know? exactly. Um, and uh, what did you think of uh, Flip Gordon get, getting the win here? Flip Gordon, I mean, he, he's, he's, I don't want to sound all cliche like, but he's a promising young man. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I think he's definitely going to be someone to look out for, you know, someone that WWE is probably going to have their eye on, of course. Absolutely. Um, also, somebody that uh, thinks the world is flat, which is a little weird, but uh, that's neither here nor there. That really is neither here nor there. Um, did, have you followed sort of the, uh, the storylines and stuff from being the elite? I, I, I Honestly speaking, I haven't quite followed it too much. Uh, so, like, the story with this was essentially that, I guess, uh, Flip Gordon and Cody Rhodes' wife were, were friends, and Cody uh, was jealous of that. And because of that, it, the, there was this whole storyline for the last year on being elite, where Cody, the Bucks, Hangman Page, guys like that, essentially would be bullying Flip. And it led to the storyline of, of how Flip wasn't getting booked for this show. Hmm. You know, like it, to the point where they had a, a tailgate party before the show called the All Out Party because Flip wasn't getting booked on the show. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it doesn't matter how somebody gets over. I've heard, like, uh, critiques of this show, and we'll talk about this later, especially when it comes to the Joey Ryan thing, uh, of why people what exactly it is that people are getting over with but does it matter when someone's over i was like yeah i mean i i, I don't really understand you know it, it seems like it's very two distinct caps it's people it's pro dick and anti dick yeah i mean uh in this case with, with flip gordon i was watching the show with a non-wrestling fan who had no idea what the fuck was going on and uh didn't need to. The moment when Flip gets up and tears off the mask was just so exciting, uh, especially being in, in that arena that it was it was great. Yeah, I can imagine the pop was pretty crazy when that happened, but, you know, it, it's always a magical thing to see a non-fan, like, attend a show, and then you see, like, the magic, like, in their eyes. Yes. Uh, it was it was great. Um, matches that weren't so great, uh, the first match of, I guess, what you would say technically would be the main show or the pay-per-view or what have you. Uh, Matt Cross defeated Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Hmm. And uh, I, I know that uh, Matt Cross is kind of a sensation, real popular in uh, sort of the, uh, the ranks of, of indie wrestling fans. But uh, this match kind of, uh, especially considering the way the show ended, w- wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world if these guys had, had been part of the Battle Royal instead of actually being on the show. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, what I was saying before, you don't want to be known as the guys that had the weakest match, you know, one of the, the greatest cards, you know, to yeah. ever really have known, and that's kind of what happened. Yeah, it was uh, the, the one thing on this show that, to me, kind of doesn't stand out. Um, yeah, there isn't really much else to say to <laughs> um, Moving on, we have uh, Christopher Daniels uh, defeating Stephen Amell. Uh, which again, the, uh, the the person that I was watching the show with was like, "Wait a second, that's that cute guy on that show that I used to watch." <laughs> I used to watch. <laughs> I was not watching the show with Teddy. No, that <laughs> he is not the one who was saying that. I was like, "Well, you know, however you want to pay for flights, <laughs> you know, that's your own personal business. I'm I'm no snitch. You know, roll tide." 
No, but that was, this was actually pretty a pretty fun match, pretty amazing match. You know, you, I would have never have thought that Steve Amell was just a, a mere actor. It, it, other than maybe Lawrence Taylor versus Bam Bam Bigelow, is there uh, a more impressive example of a non-wrestler wrestling a, a big singles match in a in a big on a big card like this? Because St- Stephen Amell is not. A, a wrestler. He's an actor. He's had uh, one match in WWE that was a tag team match where I think he only had like a handful of spots. And I was like, yeah, I was actually there for that one. <laughs> so you could you could see uh, Neville kind of encouraging him. It was like, oh, come on, wrestle. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, I I watched that. I watched that uh, a couple days before this show, and I was just like, okay, this will be interesting. Um, yeah, I remember he, him uh, kind of blowing up pretty fast in that match. Uh, yes, and there was a couple points there where he was doing moves, and I was just like, oh, don't hurt yourself, Christopher Daniels. Also, shout out to Christopher Daniels, uh, managing to turn in like a like a good match with somebody who can't re- Isn't this, you know, back in the day, people talked about Ric Flair could have a good match with a, with a broom. Isn't yeah. this like in the same ballpark as that? I definitely think so, but I'm pretty sure Stephen Amell probably had a lot more training uh, between uh, the first time and the last, and last time, you know, he's been in the ring. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he did a pretty good amount of carrying him because, you know, if you make him look good, everybody looks good. Yeah, and uh, can I just say, uh, Stephen Mel in the ring, already better than Baron Corbin. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a low blow. Um, moving on here, we had uh, what I thought was uh, kind of the underrated match of the show, which was Tessa Blanchard uh, defeating Chelsea Green, Madison Rain, and Britt Baker. Now, I really felt that all the women in this match really impressed, but my God, like I've heard a lot about Tessa Blanchard. And, I mean, I know she's on Impact, but uh, I don't live in the Impact watching home, uh, at least not, not yet. I mean, I've been hearing about very great things. I've been very critical about them in the past. You're not one of the dozens? I, I am not yet one of the dozens. But uh, Tessa Blanchard, oh, oh my, like she is, she is the, she's the goddamn future. She's amazing. That that's another thing was the person I was watching it with again a non, as non a non wrestling fan as you could be, uh, turning me and being like, why is that person not in WWE? <laughs> uh, clearly crazy. has clearly has the look, clearly has the uh, the the size, and I'm not saying that in a in a like a sexual way or anything but i just think you, that we all want to dave Meltzer this up oh fuck dave Meltzer. <laughs> uh, shout out to uh what pritchard bischoff all pretty much every guest that conrad thompson has that's like fuck dave Meltzer. um i mean well a lot of those guys is a little personal i mean oh uh, well yeah well also fuck dave Meltzer because Right now, that guy deserves a fuck Dave Meltzer. I mean, I, I wouldn't go so far to say that. I mean, I think he definitely uh, he definitely said some things he couldn't, he shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, but uh, g- getting back to this match, it, mm. you know, th- this brings up like a, an interesting point we, we talked about the other day, where um, you know, one of the things that's been interesting with this sort of revolution in independent wrestling. Uh, it hasn't necessarily included like a like a like a woman's aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I do find it a little bit weird and intriguing that uh, it took a ROH a very long time to set up a women's division and a women's belt, which I think they could have had the, you know, 
like a good lead time. I think they had at least a good three or four years where they could have introduced that and had been, had that been like the hottest thing. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. since you know Joshi's, you know, in Japan. Yeah. And, well, and that too is that, and like in New Japan, they don't even have like a women's. Also true. Um, you know, it's uh, it's the rare example of Ring of Honor actually kind of following WWE. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like a lot of the time it it works in the inverse. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's exciting, but it's it, it, that's that's the area. Like watching someone like Tessa Blanchard, part of me was like, oh, that'd be great if she winds up in WWE or NXT. Or I was whatever. like, yeah, but then like you know what's gonna happen? She's gonna be like another one of the girls in about two to three months. Yes, exactly. And uh, you know, this is a, a conversation that. You know, when, when people talk to me about uh, people in WWE, uh, you know, because people just come up off the street and they're just like, hey, Kevin, who do you want to see in WWE outside of WWE? <laughs> um, it happens all the time. Uh, yeah. But um, when people, when, that's, when I think of that subject, the first person that I think of is someone like Sasha Banks, where in WWE, superstar and everything, a lot of exposure... But also, uh, just like one of one of the just one of the girls, you know, just like another person there, and and the independent scene might might have a chance to actually really like stand out. Might have a chance to, um, you know, maybe she would hurt herself from losing the platform of WWE. But then, what she but what she would lose there, she would gain. You know, just uh, po- having a chance to stand out and having a chance to be a star on her own. But the danger is with that. I mean, I, I think she would definitely be an asset to uh, the independent side of wrestling things. And she's, I don't know if you've known this, but like she made, she's made a bunch of appearances over at the HOG, which is yeah. also a wrestling school in, uh, what, in Queens. Wasn't that... Didn't she get started? Wasn't that like her? her yeah, start? I mean, I don't know if she necessarily got started there, but uh, it was definitely one of the places she originally trained before she got to WWE. Yes. Um, but, I mean, and that that's just, just like a, a hypothetical, but it, it's just to say that uh, with, like, the revolution in independent wrestling and stuff, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is I wish that uh, there was, like, a woman's revolution were more of an aspect of it right, but I think the danger of that is also that a lot of those guys will probably see that as like a demotion yes so they they might not be as motivated to work as hard you know if they do end up in the Indies yeah and and that's that you know that's a tough road because not everybody can necessarily be like a you know obviously like a Cody Drew McIntyre yeah because that's that's all like real really grinding like I mean I've been privy to uh you know, some of uh, the indies uh, communiques, and it's always interesting to see wrestling submit, you know, wrestlers submit their resumes, and I didn't even know what a wrestling resume was until, you know. And it's like, yeah, so they'll have, like, clips of their matches, they'll say who they worked with, who they're trained by, so it's like a real resume. Yeah. Just like, you know, they send out to all the indies, you know, just, hey, I'm willing to, to be here for a hot dog and a smile, but just, just let me work. Yeah, it, that's, I guess that's, like, the thing, right, is that it, it uh, demands a, a certain hustle from the guys involved. And exactly. Like, you always have to be, like, grinding. Yeah, you know, and it's it's tough, too, because if you have a wife, if you have kids, you have whatever, that guaranteed money is... That guaranteed money is nice. It's like, yeah, I mean... I mean, well, then, imagine, like, a retail company is like, well, you know, we'll, we'll pay you 
X amount, no matter what. If you're only there one day a week, if they're only there five days a week, you're you're guaranteed X paycheck. And it, and it's it's tough because it's like not not everyone can can take that chance, you know. And and, and in the next match, we're actually talking about a uh, not just a guy who took that chance, the guy in uh, Cody. Uh, I keep wanting to say Cody Rhodes, but technically, oh, it's um, just it's just Cody right now. It's just. As they would say in New Japan, Cody. Um, what do you think of this match? Well, I'll I'll, I'll be honest with you, and I, I don't really think much as of Cody Rhodes as an overall wrestler. I mean, he's very serviceable in the ring. He has a very WWE style, and I think that yes. shows no matter what. I mean, I've seen him in matches with uh, uh, what's his name. He just actually got into the E uh, about oh, uh, last takeover, actually. Uh, not Matt Cross. Uh, but I know who you're talking about, and I can't. Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle. Yes. Yeah, Matt Riddle. I actually saw him in the match with Matt Riddle, and I thought I, I was way more impressed with Matt Riddle than I was of Cody. Uh, but I mean, and then you also have uh, you know Nick Aldis. I mean, I'm honestly speaking not too familiar with him. I thought he also turned a very serviceable performance. But yeah. I, I kind of had the idea that this was kind of like Cody booking himself to win the NWA championship on top of, you know, his father winning the championship and then the, the biggest independent show in 20 years. And, you know, yeah. kind of all makes sense to kind of book it that way. I mean, I, I will say uh, being in the building, uh, especially uh, for the entrances, watching Cody walk out, with DDP, with Tommy Dreamer, with Glacier. <laughs> Glacier. Oh, shout out to Glacier. Good <laughs> oh, Lord. Glacier. Like, I, I'm going, I'm looking at the guys that he has with him, and I guess one of them was, like, his father-in-law and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, DDP, like, that's cool, whatever. Yeah. Is that the, is that the guy who played the, 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 the Sub-Zero ripoff in WCW? <laughs> um, but a great touch. Um, if WWE is going to steal one... If I could pick one aspect of this for WWE to steal, it would be uh, it would be walking out to the ring with a with a posse with an entourage. You know what? WWE used to do pomp and circumstance so well, and then like over the last I want to say 10, 15 years, they kind of forgot about a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine? Uh, and it's an interesting thing too because it's sort of like that's that's the Goldberg entrance. But could, can you imagine? Uh, you know, Roman Reigns is walking to the ring, and behind him is the Usos and his dad and Rikishi and uh, you know Haku. I was like, I don't care who you are; they'll get a pop out of anybody. That would get a huge, you know, him or you know, WWE has all all these legends, and they kind of don't do anything with them. I don't want to turn this into talking about what WWE should do show, but I just. Uh, if I could pick one thing from this show, one single aspect, uh, big matches, guys are walking to the to the ring, uh, and you have an entourage behind them, and it's and it's an entourage that means something too. Yeah, you know, because even on the Nick Aldis side, uh, walking out with um, Jeff Jarrett, he's walking out with Tim Storm, who's the guy that he beat to win that championship. I mean, well, those those are pretty important names, you know, regardless if you like them or not. Davari walked out to take a bump. I mean that was really that was really his whole whole reason being out there taking the bump. I'm I'm pretty sure he got paid uh, a, a decent amount of money to take that bump. Yeah, 
Uh, probably better than than uh, when he was at the Greatest Royal Rumble earlier this year and almost got like stabbed in the ring or whatever. Oh yeah, he he, he, he was doing a lot of uh, quote unquote controversial things in uh, the Middle East. Oh, I mean, yeah. having a swig of alcohol at the wrong times is controversial, but you know that's neither here nor there. Yeah, um, but uh, interesting match. Uh, the the spot in the middle of the match where where everything sort of stopped was. I don't know what, what the experience was like watching on TV. I felt like in the arena, everything sort of stopped. Um, you, you know, there's there's a wrestling bump where, where, where everybody gets a breather, and then there's a thing kind of continues on and on for, it felt like five minutes. I don't know. It's, but it just, it was like a full stop, and everybody in the arena was kind of just like, what? Like, did he, did he like need, Need help bleeding? Did, was it fake blood? Like what? What was going on? I mean, well, and well, it's been a while since I've seen the show, but the way I remember it, it's, it hadn't really come off all you know like that. It looked like it was kind of like there might have been some difficulty, you know, with the blade, but it didn't, you know, it didn't stop us. You know, it's just I don't think most people, you know, that don't really really know the business would have picked up on it. But like yeah. me, I, geez, I could tell you most matches whenever people blade. I mean, even a lot of times I'm wrong, but you know, but but yeah, it's like it's kind of obvious when it happens if yeah. you know what to look for. And you know, and and the uh, what what was your thoughts on the uh, the end of this match? I mean, well, I, I thought it was a well fought match between the both of them. I thought it was, if you ask me, it's probably like about three star yeah. match if you want to stretch it out three point five. Um, I mean, I, I I thought the end of the match slightly overbooked, but otherwise, you know, it's. It was all about the coronation. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the end of the match kind of felt like an inevitability. But, I mean, it was what... Uh, with those entrances, and it reminded me of um, John Cena versus Rusev a couple of years ago. Rusev comes out in the tank. Oh, yeah. John Cena comes out with the video package playing Ronald Reagan and all these other guys. And me as a lifelong long Democrat, even I'm just like... Fuck yeah, John Cena! <laughs> fucking beat USA, USA! You know, oh man, that tank was so epic, though, man. Oh, it was, man. That tank was ridiculous. Shout out to Rusev's tank. <laughs> um, that's not a. Oh, if only Teddy were here. Uh, <laughs> next match, motherfucking moment of the night: Hangman Page versus uh, Joey Janela. First off, like, great match. That match was bananas. Absolutely crazy. Um. Joey Janela, stop, stop taking bumps with your neck. <laughs> like, seriously, like, all of independent... If there is one thing... You know, I was at the, um, the New Japan show in San Francisco over the summer. Uh, where I think it was, uh, like, Dragon Lee against... I can't even remember. It was the, it was the fucking match of the night that yeah. night. Uh, but it was the same match where, essentially, a guy broke his neck because he got thrown neck first onto the mat. Oh, I, I, I actually remember seeing that live. I was like, oh, that's a surefire way to break someone's neck. And then next day, oh, yeah, his, uh, his Hiromu's neck is broken. Yeah, and it's, it's like, just stop. Stop with the neck bumps. Stop with the pile drivers. I mean, honestly speaking, like, a bunch of people over the last, like, five to ten years have had to retire for neck and head-related yes. injuries. Yes. Uh, Daniel Bryan almost uh, essentially had to retire for both of them. Yeah, Edge, Edge, Page, Page, uh, Steve Austin. Oh yeah. I mean, how much? How much? How? 
I feel like we lost a whole act of Steve Austin's career um, because of his neck injury. Yeah. And I'm seeing them doing, I can't even tell you what the move is, but it's the, you know, he's hanging, Hangman's got him hanging backwards and they're jumping onto a ladder. They're going neck first. They, they clearly know what they're doing, but then it's also just like, but then it's also just like, stop, like stop with the neck bumps, man. Um, but, but besides that, uh, great match. It was fun, uh, seeing Joey Janelle live. It's the first chance that I've gotten to see him. And, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, great, great match. Do you have, do you have any other thoughts on this? I mean, I, I thought that was, there was a lot of crazy spots in that match. I mean, as, as much as I always like to see people just go all out. Or in this case, all, all in. in. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe because I'm older, you know, just looking back on the, on the old, you know, Attitude Era footage, like a lot of those shots, they were gratuitous and they were over the top and they were like, like looking at them back today, it's just like, oh my God, they were just hitting each other with metal chairs directly in the head as hard as they possibly could. I, I mean, I was watching the uh, the clip the other day. I was reading uh, Brandon Stroud on uh, uprocks.com, and he does a- analysis of old WWE. Yeah. And he's talking about the chair shots that The Rock was giving Ken Shamrock around WrestleMania 14. No, no, no. Matter of fact, like, think about the chair shots he gave Mankind in that I Quit oh match. Oh, God. And especially on top of that, he even told them that he was going to bash him in the head of the chair that many times. Yeah, just... The, I remember hearing something where someone was like, oh, we didn't know that the chair shots would do... It's like, you didn't think that hitting somebody, that like a bodybuilder hitting someone as hard as they could in the face with a metal object. And that's like, if you're in the arena, you even if you're in the rafters, you could hear that. It's it's just like, I just remember, I just watched some stuff like that from, from back in the day, and I'm just like, oh, CTE, CTE, you know, like... Uh, it's dark, but uh, you know sometimes you'll see shit that like Chris Benoit did, and you're just like, which one of these was was the straw that broke the camel's back? <laughs> Whoa, this this podcast just 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 took a very dark turn. Yes, it did. Um, yes, it did. Speaking of uh, dark turns, uh, Roger, what are your what are your thoughts of the? Uh, so Hangman Page defeats Joey Janela, but that's not the story here. Roger, what are your thoughts of the uh, the post match events of? Hangman Page versus Joey Janela. <laughs> well, jeez, uh, man, that, that was a lot going on, uh, and uh, <laughs> that's a lot going on. We had, uh, we had uh, a lot of dicks. All the dicks. All the dicks. Okay. Shout out to 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 Teddy. <laughs> All the dicks, man. No, that that was a little bit of a gratuitous shout out. <laughs> Holy shit. Can, uh, can we guess what was his favorite moment of the night? Uh, I was like, I, uh, I would imagine when all the dicks rose. But this is um, this is a legitimate question because to me, uh, again, watching it with a non WWE fan, uh, yeah, I would imagine this would be probably the hardest thing to explain. Uh, she dug it. She was <laughs> like, "This is amazing." Uh, she doesn't even know wrestling, and when the guys came out, she was just like. Is this? Are they making fun of the Undertaker? And I was just like, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. I was like, no. Shout out to the Undertaker. That's how vast his reach is. That non-fans know who the Undertaker is enough to understand a reference to him. I. This is a serious question. 
Do you think the Undertaker actually saw that? Do you think, like, because you know that the show is on WWE's radar. Can you imagine Vince McMahon sitting in Titan Tower? You know, I don't, honestly speaking, I don't know. If I was the Undertaker, I would probably not be watching, like, all the matches all over the place. Because uh, even Kanye West said famously that, you know, famous hip-hop producer, he's like, I don't listen to rap. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so I, was like, I, I can't imagine, you know, someone of the Undertaker's age being through everything he's done, like, sitting down watching matches all the time. And I'm, I, I would have to assume that he missed it. I, you know, this is the, the, the question I have about this is... Like I said, the person that I watched the show with thought this was uh, one of like probably like the three most like her three favorite parts of that whole show. She thought it was fucking amazing. Um, you know, had never seen any of the Joey Ryan act before. Joey Ryan, friend, of, not necessarily a friend of the pod, but friend of the uh, the Yep I Like Wrestling community. He's hosted at least one uh, one event there. I was like, yeah, he definitely has. I've, uh, I was actually there when we dropped him off. Uh, I, I photographed him uh, a couple of times uh, for an indie that technically speaking got renamed. Uh, but I, was like, I don't know. Like, I believe they're called Now You Create. I just want to give them a shout out as well. They've been very good to uh, let me photograph them for uh, many times. But Shout out to those guys. Like, also, uh, shout out to my friend from high school, Boris, who actually got dick flipped by Joey Ryan. I'm very, I'm very jealous. Oh, my. <laughs> He, uh, I guess he, somehow he lent X-Pac like a t-shirt for a wrestling event or something. Mm-hmm. And his only request was, can I get dick flipped by Joey Ryan? And he got to get dick flipped by Joey Ryan, man. It was fucking crazy. So shout, shout out to Boris, man. Uh, good for you. But uh, um, I've heard other people, as much as I enjoyed this match and I enjoy the Joey Ryan character, I have heard a lot of critique about this, that this was for lack of a better term, indie wrestling bullshit. <laughs> I, can, I can understand that uh, critique about it, but quite honestly, I mean, there's always going to be, I think, room for all types of wrestling, even yes. to this day. I mean, if you, wanna, if you really want to go back, even in the, in the golden age of wrestling itself, there's this, uh, there's this clip that I actually discovered. It's Lunar Wrestling. <laughs> Basically, you have these guys that are on this platform. It shoots them up in the air about 10 feet and then they land in the ring to get head scissored and then it's another group shoots up in the air and this this is a form of wrestling entertainment so before we want to go back you know to judge you know our, our dear uh, the dear friend of uh of the podcast here just let's go back just go back into wrestling and then you'll discover some really disturbing facts and figures about it and yeah and and i can definitely understand um you know, if I was trying to get, like, investors for this show and I was sending this tape out, I probably would edit that part out of it. Um, but also it was entertaining. And, and is there, like, a uh, other than I can understand for, like, decency stuff and not necessarily liking the content, but other than that, uh, is there a difference between this and The Undertaker ascending to heaven or undertaker sending edge to hell no it's it's all pretty much on the same scope yeah you know we had the attitude era of vince mcmahon having guys kiss his ass and literally yeah uh, you know and it's like we had uh what do we have we had his own daughter strapped up on a quote-unquote symbol uh 
Well, I mean, there was that. There was also he had a match with his daughter. There was a rejected storyline where he was going to be the father of his daughter's child. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of things in, in just WWE history. That's just disturbing. Yeah, and we're not even talking. I mean, oh my God, like TNA and stuff at the beginning of its run, WCW at the end of its run. Yeah, you know, even stuff from ECW, like. Um, you know, it, it's part of the wrestling variety show, and if you liked it, great. It's okay. There's there's other stuff to like on yeah, the like, show. And the thing you have to understand about wrestling history is that it's always, it's always been sort of attached to a circus. I mean, that's the way it originally started. So it's always going to be carny style thinking, yes, and carny style attractions. It, it's interesting. The the next match kind of embodies that too, where um, you know the uh, the tagline on paper is. Jay Lethal defeats uh, Flip Gordon. Oh, but that's definitely... Uh, uh, that's not telling the whole story. It's, yeah, just just reading that doesn't tell you anything. But uh, you know, the match, if you watch the match, would have been way different. Uh, what, did you, what did you think of this match? I, I, I always enjoy when he uh, pretends to be the Macho Man Randy Savage because that, that's just always ridiculously entertaining. Yeah. Macho man, the macho man. Oh yeah, black machismo. Um, I thought it was nice. I thought it was it was a lot of fun. Again, it I can understand the critique, and and I would actually agree. I I, I would defend the Joey Ryan moment. Um, I would defend this one a little less, where somebody was like they they are taking uh, the Ring of Honor title and they're kind of putting it a comedy match. I don't necessarily agree, but I can understand that. I can definitely understand that that perspective. It was a fun match, um, but I can understand. And, and, and it was also sort of a necessary moment, too, because so much, especially following this match, so much of the card was very serious. Yeah. Um, and like I said, especially the, the rest of the card. And you need that variety. Uh, you need that sort of breather. But I can understand the critique of, like, I don't know if we want to necessarily make the equivalent of the cool-down match, the match also for the Ring of Honor World Championship. I mean, well, that's true. That's a true thought to be thought of. But uh, also, ROH is its really not that hot as it used to be. Yeah. Like, a lot of the guys from uh, you know, ROH are moving on to WWE or to other indies for the time being. And Yeah. And the last I heard, who, who was the last champion? For I mean, now it's Jay Lethal, and yeah. then before it, it was uh, Dalton Castle. Dalton Castle. I thought that was actually a pretty bold move to give him the championship, but uh, yes. I didn't really hear much after he won it. Yeah, uh, you know, and before that it was Cody, and I thought he got a way shorter run than, than, than he both, than one, I expected him to get, and two, I think he sort of deserved to get. Um, you know, it's a... Uh, I, I, Ring of Honor sometimes reminds me of like the Cleveland Cavs with LeBron James. LeBron James in this analogy being uh, the Bullet Club, you know. And Ring of Honor has had a lot of standout moments over the last couple. It's sort of struggled uh, to define itself outside of that. I feel like in a lot of ways um, it sort of stands tall on the Bullet Club's shoulders. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's... Depending on a lot of Bullet Club involvement, a lot about the NJPW involvement as well. Yes. That's a thing that's definitely been bolstering for the last two to three years, in my yes. opinion. I, I mean, I, I've heard people talk about maybe like the, the wise move to do is New Japan and Ring of Honor come to some kind of like an official agreement or some sort of official merger 
because um, I think that New Japan, even though it's you know it's not a domestic product and stuff, I think that they've done a better job of sort of defining themselves outside of the Bullet Club. I think that a show like this was really great in in terms of being like, all right, we're going to take this brand that you know, the Bullet Club and mm-hmm. these guys, and we're going to use them to sort of give a rub to other guys as well, to guys like Nick Aldis, to guys like Pentagon, to guys like, uh, you know, to, to like Okada who's, and stuff like that. Uh, but I wish that Ring of Honor would, would do more, uh, try to do a better job of that. I was like, well, yeah, I mean, well, we have that G1 show coming up real soon. Yes, we do. God, it's uh well yeah it's six months six months down so the line. I, I got to get around to uh, getting my uh, tickets for that. Yeah, it's uh I looked online earlier today. It's uh there's a few tickets left there. The, but if you want to get nice tickets, you're gonna have to uh, go through good old StubHub. It's like yeah, and uh, you know if you know some from uh, Japan, um, I don't know if that would even work, but uh, maybe might. Send somebody an email, or you, I don't know. I mean, there, there probably is no way for you to get one without paying an uh, arm and a leg. Yeah, uh, definitely. At least it's gonna it's gonna take a premium. But I, I will say, uh, I went to a New Japan show over the summer, and it, it's it's worth it. It's a lot of fun. And like that show is a well, history breaking to say the least. Absolutely. Um, here's a question. Sure. Um, on that show, do you think we'll see Kenny Omega? On? I think so. He had his uh, his match here with uh, on my sheet. He's he's listed as Penta L Zero M, also known as Pentagon Junior, also known as Pe- Penta. He has a he has a bunch of names. Not Pentagraph. Pentagraph. <laughs> Pentagonian. <laughs> Pentagon. Pentagon Industries. The the Pentagon thing you see on buildings around New York. Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, he's tied up with a whole bunch of Pentagons. But Pen- anyway, Pentagon, the dude from TNA and uh, Lucha Lucha Underground. Uh, pretty fun match. Um, I I feel like if I'm Kenny Omega, it's tough because you're you're essentially uh, the big hitter of this group, right? You're sort of like the most renowned. You're the you're fucking Mister Six Stars in the Tokyo Dome and everything like that. Yeah. But but he's also kind of done everything he can do on on the indies. You know, he's won the NJ, he's won the IWGP title. Uh, he's had this amazing series of matches with Okada um, that that are almost essentially like renowned as like the modern like Flair versus Steamboat. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done everything that he can do, and as much as I don't want him to see, to go to WWE because I think he would just be another guy in WWE, I I don't know what value there is for him to to stick around the Indies. I mean, that's also true, but I can't really see him being happy unless he has, like, complete and total control in WWE, which I don't think they'll ever give him. I mean, but if they do manage to give him that, I think it will take the ball and he'll run with it. And and it it leaves this group in in a a tough position, you know, because every time, you know, the the Bullet Club is formed by Finn Balor. Mm Mm-hmm. And he leaves, and then they take a you know AJ Style immediately comes in and takes the group to new heights, and and you know I wasn't even following at that point, and I knew that AJ Styles was in the Bullet Club and he was fucking killing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he leaves, and then Kenny sort of remakes the Bullet Club in his image, and um, 
you know, it's not just him. It's the Bucks, and it's 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 been it's been a team effort. It's like it definitely has changed up since AJ was uh, manning it. Yes, um, you know, I think that the group sort of went from when when uh, when they were age with AJ, they were sort of like a th- like a throwback to the original NWO and stuff like that. Yeah. With uh, with Kenny, I think that they've sort of uh, become this group that is focused on building themselves on social media and doing all these other things um and it's just it's a question that i have is like i think that they could use him greatly but i also think it wouldn't shock me if january comes around and he's in the royal rumble because i don't know what else there he has he has to prove you know he's got this match with jericho and the crews coming up oh yeah um, that and and uh, we'll be doing some sort of a, a show on that once we figure out how the hell to watch that. I will, yeah. <laughs> Roger, it, you don't want to pay hundreds of dollars to go on a cruise with a with a bunch of other wrestling fans. That would depend if they're female wrestling fans and if they're hot. Because uh, you know, as much as I love fellow wrestling fans, I don't want to smell that neck beard. You know, yeah. aroma everywhere I go. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of one and a half percenters. <laughs> I, I suppose you'd be right about that. Yes. Um, but uh, get get getting back to this. What, what was your thoughts on on the match and the uh, the running at the end from from Chris Jericho? Oh man, it's Pentagon Junior. Well, there's already whispers of him being signed to the E. Yes. Which more or less may or may not be confirmed as of a, a not press time, but definitely as of record time. Yes. Um, I thought the match was amazing. Kenny Omega, I mean, he's definitely one of the best rushers in the world. I mean, well-deserved, well-earned. Uh, Pentagon Jr. is certainly up there. I mean, if, you, if you've never seen his work on uh, Lucha Underground or anywhere else for that matter, he's a madman. Yes. He's a goddamn madman. I, just getting to see him, it's the first time I've seen him live. Uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And the, um, can I just say... Just from besides, like like the moment being amazing at the end with Chris Jericho running in, can I say how amazing it is that Chris Jericho, you have a guy um, involved in the early '90s in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, gets mm-hmm. a start with guys like Kane and Lance Storm and stuff like that. Yeah, way back. Uh, was a part of ECW. Was was a uh, in terms of guys that uh, passed through ECW, a pretty notable guy in ECW. I mean, he was only there for a couple months. Uh, he's the yeah. first guy to kick out of Taz's uh, suplex and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, goes to WCW. Um, you know, the Chris Jericho in 1998. Uh, Monday Night Jericho, whatever stuff was was amazing. I mean, that, that's all classic. Yeah. All of it. You know, and then go, goes to WWE. Is a part of the, the Attitude Era. Not necessarily the Attitude Era that is remembered as fondly, you know. I think that people sort of remember late '97 yeah. through summer of '99, but but I think that the the best the, the best time, the the best at least WWE product that I ever saw was WWE in the year 2000. I think that it was just like this apex of like all these all these guys reaching their creative. Uh, Apex. It was all these guys reaching their physical, um, their their creative prime, their physical prime, all this other stuff. He's a part of that. I mean, uh, well, this is what you know. A lot of wrestling fans mean by the good old days. You know, yes. a lot of uh, wrestling fans are old enough to remember watching the Attitude Era live. 
so many stories used to culminate just so many different ways. Like even the top guys, the mid guys, even the lower car guys, they all yeah. had something to do. But uh, the, the difference between, you know, we see you earlier on the show, Tommy Dreamer, who's sort of there as a, hey, remember when? Billy Gunn, definitely there as a, you know, Hurricane, definitely there as a, hey, remember when? Oh, definitely, when. definitely. Uh, you know, Bully Ray to, to an extent... Um, I'm a huge fan of his character, uh, but uh, is there kind of as, uh, you know, I'm Bully Ray once upon a time of the Dudley Boys and also once upon a time of TNA. Chris Jericho is the one of these guys, and even of like the sort of legends in WWE, who's not living off of his greatest hits. Yeah, I mean, I think what happened was, you know, Jericho spent a lot of time, you know, he went back to WWE after a little bit of hiatus. And, you know, he got kind of bored of just, you know, playing with the same people. I, I guess WWE couldn't port the guys he wanted to play with fast enough. So I was just like, screw it, I'll, I'll just go to Japan. I'll just pop up. You know, I might win an Intercontinental Championship. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, me personally, though, know, I've always kind of felt that, you know, over the last few years, he's been kind of more or less a shill. Uh, I, I could I could see that. It's like oh, he always runs and talks about his conversations with Vince, and it's like Vince seemingly not giving a shit about anything that's going on in the wrestling world. It's like, hey, it's, it's like Sally's a bad time to run a run a show. It's like they should have talked to me first. Yeah, I I mean it's uh note it's an hour one minute. <laughs> yeah, I Almost mean. There. I mean, his whole appearance on this show was essentially to shill his cruise. Um, it's like, well, isn't the rumor Kenny Omega versus uh, Chris Jericho on that I, cruise? I, I think that I think that that shit's been booked. You know, you've got, in international waters. You've you've got that, and then you've also got uh, the Bullet Club of Cody, Kenny Omega, and I want to say I think it's Marty Scroll against uh, the Bucks of Jericho or. Y2 Jackson, depending on what you want to call them. And that's what the t-shirt says, so that's what the graphic says, so that's what the match is. Yeah. Um, I just I just think it was great seeing Jericho there, seeing him involved in all these other things. In ECW in his prime, in WCW during the uh, the Monday Night Wars, part of the Attitude Era, part of the, the era after it. He was part of the ECW One Night Stand show, and he's part of this. Yeah, he has uh, what a lot of us uh, youngsters refer to as juice. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is a very accurate way to describe Chris Jericho. Speaking of guys that had juice, um, what I thought was the match of the night, uh, Okada versus Marty Skrull. Mm. I mean, Okada's always a joy to watch. Marty Skrull is definitely, uh, he's definitely coming to his own over the last, I would say, year or so. Uh, now, I was saying the thing about Kenny uh, possibly going to WWE, and, you know, we, we're trying... To make this as much as possible a non WWE show, even though it's impossible because WWE is the end all be all in, in the industry and it's the inevitable question. And someone like Kenny, I could see being in WWE. Somebody who I wouldn't want to see in WWE is Marty Scroll. I mean, well, Marty Scroll definitely, I, th- I think if this is the Attitude Era, he would be like, he would already be hired because he yeah. definitely has the personality, he has the, uh, I dare say, even the scruples. You know, I, I would love to see him on SmackDown in 2002 with, you know, Billy Kidman and Rey Mysterio and, and all those guys. But 
that's that's not going to happen. And and I don't want to see him on the pre-show at WrestleMania with a hundred people in the audience. You know, I think he's great, and I think that where he's at is perfect for him. Man, that pre-show two years ago at uh, SummerSlam that was that was one of the weirdest things I've ever watched. Yeah. I was like, that's one. Well, this last SummerSlam and the last SummerSlam, the only two SummerSlams I personally didn't go to. But, yes, I've been to all the takeovers. Yes. Uh, but even watching that match, I was at a, uh, a work work trip, actually. Uh, I was in the hotel room watching it. And it's like, wow, they're really going to have this match of, like, 13 people in the audience? That's just bizarre. Yeah, it's... And I was like, you could see the wrestlers, like, extremely, like, dejected about the whole thing. Can, can you imagine, like, you spend your whole life, like, trying to get the WWE and then you get there and then you're literally you're on 205 Live which is a completely redundant show and I'm not saying in terms of what's actually on the show folks what I'm saying is the way it's positioned uh, in in the company uh, by the mere fact that the show is on the network and gets no promotion little promotion yeah you don't even see it promoted really on uh, Raw or Smackdown all that much you, you might well what we've been seeing now is people Excuse me, popping up, you know, on like you know Raw and SmackDown, just like As believe managers. Le- yeah, Leo Rush is managing uh, what's his name? Uh, Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley. He's managing Bobby Lashley now, which is you wouldn't have known that unless you you know went to WWE.com. It was like, oh, that he's managing him now. Uh, I mean, that that might work. Um, I loved Bobby Lashley in TNA with MVP as his like player coach manager. I mean, MVP is actually one of my uh, one of my sleeper wrestlers. I always really appreciated him when he was in the. Yeah, me too. I was actually really bummed that he wasn't a part of the show. Uh, matter of fact, isn't he not the first uh, IWGP Intercontinental Champion? Maybe I I'm not I'm not 100 sure. I, this would be a. Uh, we need a stat guy Greg on this show. All right, matter of fact, let me ask Google. Google beats stat guy Greg any day of the week. You're going to throw that into your uh Who was the Google first machine? IWGP Intercontinental Champion? According to Wikipedia, Chris Jericho is the current champion in his first not, reign. Not the current champion, Naito Google. Not the current champion. Do we have a third, a third member of this podcast now? I guess, well, digitally, yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah, so matter of fact, yeah, the first champion is MVP. Wow. First champion is MVP. Good. Um, that's awesome. I wish that we saw more of him. Me too, man. I, I always, I mean, I think uh, there was this whole thing a couple of years ago. He was going to be on Lucha Underground, and then uh, he got fired off of it because he accidentally spoiled something. Uh, I think that MVP was great. I think he's one of those guys that will never get a chance to truly stand out in WWE and I wish that we saw more of him outside of WWE. Like even if he was in like NXT is like a manager that even that I think yes. would be cool. Um maybe he could uh, well we yeah, we we're, we're, we're get, we'll we'll talk about MVP on on a on a future podcast. Yes. Um I don't know how to transition to uh, from that to the main event. Let's just like, let's just do it. Let's just do I a hard like, transition. I feel like we're running out of time, just like the main event of the show was running out of time. <laughs> oh man. Um, what uh, what were your thoughts on the greatest uh, "We're Short for Time" match that you've ever seen in your entire life? I've never seen anything like it in in, in terms of modern wrestling. I I I remember going to Raw this year, Raw twenty five or whatever, 
and uh, they had the uh, the match where uh, Undertaker was Undertaker was coming out in two minutes, and they literally sent out a cruiserweight match to kill time to like warm up the crowd right before it, it happened. <laughs> uh, that's what this match kind of felt like, but if they had like ten minutes to do it, and it was great. Um, getting to see the Young Bucks live in person, I've gotten to see them a couple times this year. A lot of fun. Highly recommended. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the show? I mean, Young Bucks are the, they're the best tag team in the world. I mean, I don't know how someone could watch a, a Young Bucks match and not say that. I mean, unless it's like your hate for super kicks, but like they have very sound matches, very good matches. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, it was a great way to end, to, to end the show. So, yeah. I mean, uh, no, although it was quite rushed. Oh, was, my God. It, it, was, it was off when we were home. By the time the ref sent hit three, the show was off. I was like, there's always, I um, mean, any Young Bucks match, uh, there's always, it's always going to be pretty spot heavy. So, regardless, you know. <laughs> yeah. I was like, but I, I don't know, man. Just just like the whole uniqueness of uh, that main event, especially the way it came off on TV. It was, it was just kind of bizarre just when they just cut off that way. Yeah, I still haven't seen the TV feed. Because, uh, okay, like I remember watching... Uh, Marty and Okada and, and seeing somebody running from the back to ringside, clearly telling them so- something, which yeah. must have been, hey, hurry up. We got to go. And you could tell that the main event was just like, oh, OK, like, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. If I actually heard correctly, I believe uh, the Okada match actually went over by like uh, 10, 15 minutes. So this is this has been like the uh Sort of the dirt sheet rumor for the last week or two is that that match ran over. Uh, now there's reports that maybe it was more of a combination of all the matches beforehand. You know, a minute here, a minute there. I was like, it was probably like they probably just instruct them, hey, have your best match out there. You know, if you go over a minute or two, it, it's fine. But then, you know, ended up kind of biting them. And, and I think that the Okada-Marty match, the, the referee wasn't, like, normally a referee. So there's a chance that, uh, you know, the signals to him, whatever, weren't, weren't working. And they thought, oh, we're fine. Oh, shit. We're, we, we, we went five to ten minutes over what we should have. Yeah. Um, this was an amazing show. Uh, felt like, you know, a lot of people are comparing it to WCW stuff. I, I felt like I was watching sort of like the modern equivalent of ECW One Night Stand or ECW Barely Legal, the first ECW pay-per-view. I don't know. To me, it didn't really feel of any of those shows. It definitely felt like a monster all of its own. And, uh, I mean, I believe after the show they said they were going to stick around. They weren't going to all race to a company, you know, unless it was all together. Yes, unless they were all in. Sorry, uh, folks. That's a dad joke. I mean... But, like, yeah, I mean, it's a very groundbreaking show. I'd be very, I'd be sad and disappointed if they didn't decide they want to do at least one or two more. Yeah, this, this, it, it would feel like if this was the only one, this would be a thing years from now we would talk about, like, man, like, that was, that was the only one that they I did. I mean, well, hey, if they get the right backers, I mean, this could be, like, its own, you know, indie. It could be its own company, perhaps. Yeah, I guess, like, that, that's, like, a, a good way to, to sort of bring the show full circle. What, what would what do you want if you know eighteen months to three years from now? What would you want to look back on and see that the show was the start of? Like, where do you want the show to eventually lead to? 
what I want to what I want to have the show lead to is definitely like a major challenger to the E, because quite frankly, I mean, all of wrestling needs it. Yes, uh, you know, I I agree. I what I think it would be a challenger to. I don't know if it would lead to something that would necessarily challenge WWE in like a financial way or a corporate way or anything like that. Uh, but what I would hope is that it would become one like an influence on WWE, forcing people there to sort of change their vision of what wrestling is supposed to be in the 21st century. And the other thing is that it would sort of usher in like an era of more independence for the actual wrestlers, you know, uh, having more options or places to go, being able to support yourself with an income stream outside of different. Well, that was what was so devastating about the loss of WCW in the first place, because you know, if you was unhappy in WWE, you could always like switch to WCW and vice versa. You know, of course, you had many people that didn't want to leave their respective companies. Yes. But I mean, it happened all the times where you know Jeff Jarrett would bounce back. You know, between WWE, WCW. Yeah, you know, and then it's like uh, WC, having a WCW, having an ECW, having another perspective out there. You know, there were so many. I felt like Steve Austin and Mick Foley and guys like that. Uh, were were able to sort of like uh, hone their hone their craft and better themselves as artists because that's what wrestlers are they're they're artists in somewhere like ECW and and that's what I I would hope to see uh, from from this sort of independent wrestling boom that 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 we're in um, Roger do you, have, do you have any last thoughts I well yeah I mean I I just I really do hope you know it can be an influence on WWE but I mean I quite honestly think that it's not going to be there's a lot of old timers that are very set in their ways I think it would take a major revolution for that to really happen and I think the way things are set up right now I think no that's not going to happen at least any not anytime soon but you know we have been shown an example that hey it's all out here if you you want to do it and it's like there is no more excuses. Yeah, no. I uh, I just hope that this isn't the last one of these all-in shows that we see, and uh, I I just hope that we get more shows like this. We get more entertainment, and we get more stuff that is is compelling for us to to watch as fans. I would highly, highly agree with you on that. Yes. Well, uh, I think uh, Roger. I think we're getting the uh, the go home signal from the producer over here. Uh, yeah. So I think we should wrap it up. We, uh, well, I guess, uh, <laughs> let's, let's try that again. Well, Roger, I think we're getting the, uh, the go home signal. All right. Well, uh, let's, let's wrap this up. All right. Well, I'm Kevin Wood. I'm Roger Adams. Thank you for joining us here at the bingo hall in parts unknown. Well, you know what? The next time you see us at the bingo hall, we'll be right next to the two long haired old ladies. All right. Uh, well, all right. All right. All, all right. right. Have a good night, folks. <laughs> all right. Until next time.